Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. We are in a series across all locations all summer long called You've Got Mail. And of course, inspired by the 90s classic of the same name. Uh, And you're like, why is it called You've Got Mail? Simply because the book that we're reading all summer long is the book of 1 John. Uh, This is that moment when you're watching, you're binge watching your favorite show where they go, previously on, You've Got Mail. I'm going to do that right now. This is the previously on. This is a book written by John. John is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote the book that you love to avoid, the book of Revelation. And uh, so he wrote John, the Gospel of John, the book of Revelation, as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And if you're nervous about the book of Revelation, then you should be equally as nervous about the book of 1st John because it's all kind of written in the same time period, okay? If we're just being honest, if you think Revelation's scary, just wait till today's passage. It's going to just buckle up. Buckle up. And if you want to come on the journey with us in that weekly email, which is so crucially important, we let you know a week in advance on Tuesday what we're reading this week. And then here's, here's, here's my suggestion to you. Read that passage all through the week. Read it every day or read parts of it every day. Write down some notes. Write down some thoughts. Write down the questions that you have. Put it all into a notebook or on your phone in the notes section. Then bring that to church with you. Take notes on the message. Compare your thoughts with the preacher's thoughts. See if your questions are answered. And then ask the Lord, hey, could you answer some of these questions? Imagine that, that you could ask the Lord who wrote the book a question about the very book which he wrote and that he will give you the answer. And that's the best way to do this. So for those who are taking notes, this book was written approximately 80, 90 to 95. So... The Apostle John, who in his book, the Gospel of John, keeps calling himself the disciple that Jesus loves, which is like either the most like accurate statement of all time, or he's just fronting. My God. Okay. (laughs) So either he's like, listen, I'm truly the one Jesus loves, or he just wants the rest of us to know that he thinks he's the one that Jesus loves. It's like there's that person who says that you're, they're your BFF and they actually are your BFF, and there's somebody else who's like, I'm their BFF. And you're like, nah. <laughs> so we don't know where John falls, but I'm just going to say because it's in the scripture, he was close, okay? He was close with Jesus. And so this letter, the book of 1 John, is a reflection, a retrospective, if you will, as John, who's now sitting there in his 80s, uh, now he's outlived every single one of his peers, They all died gruesome deaths, and from what we can understand, he's the only one of the original disciples who didn't die a gruesome death. Now, it's not because there wasn't drama in his life. Turn to your neighbor and say, drama. It's not because there wasn't drama in his life. What we find out from... What we find out from Tertullian, who's a second century North African theologian, is that John at one point was plunged into a hot vat of burning oil... So he was literally fried alive because it was oil. So he should have been like crispy chicken, but he came out unscathed. So he comes out unscathed, and because he comes out of that unscathed, clearly he is the one whom Jesus loves, in case you're looking for proof. 
He comes out unscathed. Like, you should come out with some marks or at least, like, KFC smell on your body, right? Like, that's how you should come out. He comes out. He's fine. He's fine. He comes out totally fine. And then the, the, the uh, governor of the day goes, listen, you are being exiled. So he exiles him to an island called Patmos. That's where he writes the terrifyingly awesome book of Revelation, which you should stop avoiding. It's not as scary as you think it is. He also, once he returns, does this retrospective thing where he's looking back on his life. Now, think about this. John, who's outlived everyone, who's been boiled in oil, who's he's been exiled to an island, comes back. He's living in this great city called Ephesus amongst the believers. He describes himself as the elder, not an elder, not one of the elders, but the elder. Why? Because he's like the oldest dude around, literally. He goes, listen, I'm writing this letter because I've learned a thing or two in my life. I walked and I talked with Jesus in real life for three years. And then I've been alive for a long time since then. But I've seen Jesus and he showed up in every way, every shape, every form. I've walked with him. If you stay with him, if you remain with him, if you stay close to Jesus, I tell you, you can get through anything. So he writes this letter. Three in a row. This one is unaddressed, meaning it went to everybody. He just, could you imagine just write, like, this is like a send, like, what's that, like, reply all email thread? This is like where he just sends it to everybody, and he's like, don't at me. He's just saying, listen, I'm going to send this to every single church, every single believer. You need to get this into you. You need to understand this thing. And so with that in mind, we pick up today's passage in 1 John 2, verse 28. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. I'm going to need a little bit more than that out of you, Glory Hills. If you're right, say, I'm ready. All right, we're out of sync. We really got to work out this crowd interaction thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Also, of note for our note takers, John Sidlow Baxter, which is a sick name, is a theologian. And in his book, Explore the Book, he says, in the book of 1 John, John's pen is a surgeon's knife, not a philosopher's quill. Otherwise, he's getting right to it. He's like stabbing you in the heart as he writes. He's cutting away all the fat. He's cutting away all the stuff that shouldn't be there. He's doing heart surgery. So as you read the book of 1 John, as we process this through together, there should be an element of like, oh, that's not a great like feel. Like, I'm not just going to think about this all week. He's like, no, I think I'm bleeding. And then Jesus stitches this up after John does the surgery. 1 John 2.28. Let's try this one more time. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Oh, thank the Lord. Okay, he says, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back in shame. You know that moment when you're at the mall or at the grocery store and you see somebody that you know? And you know them probably have a decent relationship with them, but you don't want them to know that you were also at the same grocery store. And so you're in the freezer aisle and you're like, how am I going to get past this person who's in this aisle right here? Because I need to grab those frozen fries over there because I have children and I need to grab that giant bag of Cavendish fries. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so it's just kind of that awkward moment where you're just kind of like, uh, and you're like, if they see me, they're going to be like insulted that I didn't stop and say hi. It's kind of like Christy every time she rips by me on the road. She just is basically giving me the finger. She goes, bye. She's not actually, but it feels that way, uh, you know. 
It's like, if I don't say hi, like, but maybe you just had a bad day. You're just like not in the headspace to see Jordan in the grocery aisle. You're just like, I don't know if I could do this today. I don't know if I got, I don't know if I got it in me. And you see him and you're kind of avoiding them and you're kind of like, maybe I'll just like hang back over here. Maybe I'll just like look around the corner and I'll see when they're clear and then I can go get my things. And you're just kind of doing that awkward dance because you're just like, it's just strange. Like if we want to raise the stakes in this story, maybe like we'll just call it an ex-girlfriend. You're like, no, I ain't going to that aisle. (laughs) And so you're just like, whoa. And that's actually what John is saying right here. He says, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, it's not awkward. He says, stay in relationship with Jesus so that you don't shrink back and hide around the corner and go, I don't want to go down that aisle. Because when Jesus comes back, there's two responses. Either you're going to be like, whoa, I did not expect to see you here today. Or, wow, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Jesus today. So he says, stay, remain in fellowship. It's that word abide. Abide, man. You know, I know Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Seb, and Larry have all done an incredible job laying this out for us as we've gone through the book of 1 John. And this one word keeps popping up, fellowship. In the Greek, it's, it's the word koinonia. It's, it's where we get the words community. It's actually where the idea of communion comes from as it gets translated into Latin. That's where all these words come out of this, this concept of, of koinonia, of fellowship. It's, it's also the picture of the Trinity that, that at the center of the universe, there's a relationship and that relationship is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what we are not good at in this day and age, and I gotta give my wife all credit for this thought because she shared this with me last night. She's preaching at Glastonbury and I'm like, I'm just gonna take that. What we are not good at in this day and age is Remaining. What we are not good at is staying. We're not good at staying in marriages. We're not good at staying in friendships. We're not good at staying at jobs. We're not good at staying in anything. We're not good at staying at houses because I know all the realtors are like, whoa, hold on, back off. (laughs) But we're always looking for something else and we're like, maybe I can medicate myself with this this home or with this job or with this car. Maybe I can medicate myself with this, this relationship. Maybe I could just keep it on going. So in our society in general is not good at staying. We're not good at remaining. We're not good at persevering. We're not good at being honest with each other. We're not good with being, being real with each other. We're not, being, we're not good at being present. So John says, listen, let me just give you one piece of advice for my entire life. Listen, I've seen some things. I was boiled alive. You got to learn to stay. Stay close. Stay close. Remain in fellowship. That word in Greek for remain is meno, which means to abide. And the application really for us is to learn to linger longer. To learn to linger longer. To remain as one. That's the language. To not depart. And here's the back half of the definition, but I feel like the back half of the definition is actually a promise. All in this one word. The back half of this is to be held and to be kept continually. 
So think about this idea that if I could learn to linger longer, if I could learn to stay, if I could learn to remain, if I could learn to abide, if I could learn to just not depart, that he will hold me, he will keep me, and he will not do it for a short while, I will be kept continually. To be held in his right hand. The one who holds the world in his hand wants to hold your whole world in his hand. And he will if we would learn to linger longer. So we're not, when he comes, we're not going to be like, uh-oh. Because we're going to remain. We're going to learn to remain. He says, when he comes, then you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Like, that's a mic drop moment from John. I dropped a mic earlier today. Front row, just before I was about to preach, I just, like, blew this mic up in three pieces. Matt's like, that's supposed to be for the end. I'm like, okay. I dropped the microphone. John literally drops the microphone at the beginning of our passage going, stop running, stop hiding, learn to remain. So when Jesus comes back, you're full of courage. You should be full of courage. You should be full of anticipation. You should be full of expectation. You're like, stop telling me how to feel. I'm just talking to you as a friend who's reading the scripture, hearing from Grandpa John as he's writing us this letter. So that we can update our relationship status. So I guess the question for today is, am I leaning in or am I leaning out? Or am I learning to linger longer? As we move into the next verse, we actually see that it's the start of one continuous thought. We know that not because of me. We know that because of the grammar in Greek, which I don't know how to read. But the internet told me that. It's the beginning of a continuous Thought in first uh, first John two twenty nine it says since we know that Christ is righteous we also know that all who do what is right are God's children so as we're thinking about this book and we have to kind of wrap our 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 minds around this book because sometimes I think we read the Bible and we just like read it straight but we don't know who's talking we don't know who's speaking so think about this this is Grandpa John in retrospective now here's what we know about Grandpa John we know that he's actually dictating this letter he's not personally writing this letter so sometimes when you talk like me I just talk and talk and talk but I write very short emails and even shorter text messages okay So John is just talking, and he's like, he's talking, and he's a grandpa, so he's talking, and he's talking, and he's talking, and just like any grandpa, he's telling a story that seems entirely unrelated, and he just hits you with like some life lesson, you know? So that's what John's doing. He's like ramping around from verse 29 all the way to 310. This is one continuous stream of thought. He's in flow. He's just going. This one continuous theme and he just drops his thesis at the beginning so since we know that christ is righteous we also know that all who do what is right are god's children you can take it if you need it it's fine (laughs) in other words those who do what is right they look like the one who is right jesus As we get closer to Jesus, we find ourselves in a state of transformation where he helps us become the person that he actually created us to be. Not born of a natural birth, 
as it says in John, but born of a supernatural birth where we are born again. And as we are born again, he now says, listen, I handcrafted you, I created you, I made you, I know you better than anyone else. You can only uh, achieve the fullness of your heart and your life and everything that's within you if you would follow me and if you'd learn to remain with me. And there's a family resemblance. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you look like Jesus, you sound like Jesus. It's when you hang out with your friends and you've all got a word or a catchphrase and then within like 20 minutes everyone's saying the same thing and it's ridiculous it's like when you meet your friends from high school and all of a sudden you start talking like you're in high school it's like bro clean up the mouth a little bit Think about this from Pastor Chad Veach. I'm not a podcast guy. My wife is a podcast person. I'm not a podcast person. She's a podcast person. But ever since TSN 1260 went off the air, I don't know what to listen to anymore. And so now I'm listening to podcasts. And Pastor Chad Veach said this, and I was like, I need to pull over maybe. He says this, when you were born, track with me, when you were born, you look like your parents. You should write this down. When you were born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like your decisions. I made some bad decisions. When you're born, you look like your parents. When you die, you look like your decisions. Let's take it one step further. When when you're born, you look like your parents. Hopefully when we die, we look more and more like Jesus. If we learn to stay, if we learn to remain, maybe not in my physical attributes. I'm never going to be a Middle Eastern man, okay? Okay. Maybe I'll tan and I'll get a tan, but he's talking about not my physical attributes. He's talking about the attributes of my heart, the attributes of my spirit, my faith, the way that I think, the way that I process, the way that I speak, that I look more and more like him. We'll pick it up, 1 John 3, 1. He says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So what he's saying is we are his children, which means the closer we get, there's more and more family resemblance. The more we stay in relationship, we stay close to the, we're in the family. If we stay close to the family, we'll look more and more like the family. Now catch this. This is that moment when the Bible gets wild because John starts referencing his own writing in his other book. He says this in John 1.10. He says, he, meaning Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. This is layers on layers on layers. You're like, I don't see the connection. Let's look at the last verse again, 1 John 3.1. He says, the people who belong in this world don't recognize that we are God's children. See, they didn't recognize that Jesus was God's child. They didn't recognize that Jesus was Lord, that Jesus was Messiah. Even in that simple one phrase, it's like he's saying, if they don't recognize that you're with me, you're looking like Jesus. Because they didn't recognize that he was with me. He came to his own people, they rejected him. And all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to be children of God. You and I, if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, we have a right to become children of God. 1 John 3, verse 2. Are you still with me today? Is this? It got real quiet, and I'm just assuming you're checking scores, but there's no scores to check. Max Verstappen won the F1 race because he always does. 
First John 3, verse 2. Spoiler alert. Dear friends, he wins every race. It's fine. First John 3, verse 2. Dear friends, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us. No, no, no. Okay, let's just back this up. Grandpa John, he's, he's like, he's talking to us. Dear friends. I have a Bible college teacher that, that all, our professor, he always used to say, dear friends. And I feel like this is the same thing. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation, the people who stay, the people who remain, who have courage when he comes, all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Now, just, just, just indulge me for a moment. This is actually a moment of imagination with Grandpa John. Do, do you notice what he's doing right here? He's starting to imagine, and if you've ever, like, um, all my grandparents are, are past, uh, but near the end of each one of their, their lives, they all started to talk to me about heaven or what it might be like. And that's actually what John's doing right here. He goes, he has not yet shown us what we're going to be like when Christ appears. So when he comes back at the end of all time, he's not telling us what form are we going to take. He's like literally in his mind, he's imagining, are we going to be flying? Will we have wings? Will we, will we be walking and talking? What, what's it going to be like when Jesus shows up? Because remember, he's BFF with Jesus. He's been waiting a lifetime to be reunited in the flesh with his BFF, Jesus. He's beginning to imagine. This is a moment of imagination. We don't know what it's going to be like, but what we do know is that if we stay, if we remain, we're going to look like him in some way, shape, or form. Grandpa's, John's, his wheels are turning, his, his thoughts are drifting, and yet just like any grandpa, he just hits us over the head with a life lesson. And he drops a hint of where he's going in the rest of the chapter. He says, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. The closer we stay to Jesus, the more we look like him. We're talking about a family resemblance. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. We call this proof text. So all of us who have had that veil removed, meaning we've accepted Jesus into our heart, we can see him for who he is. We, the veil's removed and we can reflect the glory of God and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So if we're trying to do the math on this, we accept Jesus into our life, he becomes our Lord and Savior. We now enter a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the, the Holy Spirit does the deep work of transformation. Jesus Christ lives within us, the Father, the Son, they live within us. And you're like, how is that possible? It just is and it's awesome, he's here. He's rolling with us. That's how I'm never alone. But the Holy Spirit's doing this kind of deep work of changing us from the inside out. And you're like, I don't know if I want to be changed. The truth is, you actually do. Everything about our humanity says we want to be changed. It's why we listen so attentively to people on the internet. It's why we go and order a Stanley Cup when everyone on the internet orders a Stanley Cup. Because we want to be changed and we want to be conformed into an image of what is cool. But instead of being changed and transformed into an image of what is cool as determined by TikTok or Instagram algorithms, we have an opportunity to be changed by the algorithm of the Holy Spirit who's changing us to look more and more like Jesus in every moment, in every season, if we could learn to remain. So I guess the question is, who do you look like? 
I should preach at Glory Hills more often. <laughs> Romans 8, proof text, verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. That's what he means, the transformation. He's chosen us to become like his son in every single way, shape, and form, so that his son would be firstborn among them, meaning he's an example uh, to many son, brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to himself. Jesus is calling you to himself, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. That's a word righteousness mean, mean being made right with God. Having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. In this life and in the next, we should look more and more like Jesus. In this life and into the next, we should look more and more like Jesus. Let's continue in the passage. 1 John 2, verse 4. Everyone, this, it's going to get real now just because he's a grandpa. And so, you know, grandparents, and I love grand, my parents are amazing grandparents. And I know we got some grandparents in the room, but here's the thing about grandparents. They just say whatever they want. Because you love them anyways, and they give you treats and candies and money and things. So they're like, listen, I can say whatever I want. I've learned some things. I've been there. You, should listen. you probably won't listen to me, but I'm going to say it. That's what grandparents do. And so now what John is doing, he's just calling us to, he's calling our attention to some things that, to be honest, we don't think probably too much about. Verse 4. Thank you, Nick. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him at all. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So Grandpa John, being a grandpa, says, you kids don't care enough about this. But you should. See, here's our application of sin. This is how we've processed it through our lens, not Grandpa John's lens, not the scriptural lens, through my lens, through your lens. We look at sin and we go, you know, there's a little bit there. It's probably not that big of a deal. How bad could it be? It's not going to hurt me. I kind of like that. I know the Bible's not really there with that, but I'm there with that. And so isn't it like subject to me because I'm like Christ? No, you're really misinterpreting scripture. Grandpa John says, listen, stop. It's hurting you more than you'll know. That's what he's saying. He's saying it's hurting you more than you'll know. Grandpa, how bad could it be? Remember when I talked to you about being embarrassed when Jesus comes back? This is what I'm talking about. Romans 6, 15 verse of the sixth chapter when well then since God's grace has set us free from the law does that mean we can go on sinning of course not don't you realize this is the money right here underline this in your paper bible if you brought one if you brought one you are closer to God than everybody else <laughs> that's just not the bible but don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey.
You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching. We have given you. Now, now, if you wholeheartedly obey, now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. You're like, that's a lot of slave talk. He's just making a point. This is Paul now, underscoring what John's saying. Don't you realize, in verse 16, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? So we've got a couple questions that we've been dealing with today. First question, who do you look like? Second question, who do I choose to obey? One probably determines the other. Let's continue in the passage. Getting quieter and quieter as we go. Dear children, he's now breaking the tension, reminding you that he loves you. God loves you, John loves you, I love you. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning, which is awesome because it rhymes. But. but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. We're going to get old school for a moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, old school. We're going to go to the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. New King James. He says, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You're like, maybe I am carnal. Behaving like mere men. Understanding that there is another way to live. That when we choose to follow Jesus, that when we choose to remain, that when we choose to draw close, we're living in another way. We're not living like mere men or mere mortals. You're like, well, this is getting wild. You said we're not going to live like mere mortals. No, because if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he will save you, he will transform you, he will forgive you. And now you have a, a clear pathway to an eternity with Jesus, which means while your time on earth in, in this era may end, you're going to live on forever. So you're not going to live like a mere mortal. You're going to live like Jesus in this life and into the next. He's going to transform you. You're like, I don't know if I'm ready for eternity. Nobody's ready for eternity. We can't wrap our minds around eternity. If you ask me, eternity sounds like a really long time. I'm not sure that I'm ready for it, but what I am ready for is that if I could learn to remain, if I could learn to stay close, if I could learn to get close to Jesus, if I could learn to think like he does and talk like he does and respond like he does and live like he does, which, by the way, he was sinless, also impossible for you to be sinless, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. If I could learn to live like that, maybe I'd learn to think like that. His ways, it says in Isaiah 55, his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my, my thoughts. So maybe my, I could have some elevated thinking to understand what it is to be with him forever. And my, my appetites and my desires might change. 
This is the grand finale, 1 John 3.10. We made it through the entire passage. Amazing, 1 John 3.10, grand finale. He says, now, so now, we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Are you ready for like scores? This is like where we know who's on what team. We know who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. I'll just say it again. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So if you got an issue with somebody in this room, forgiveness is not optional. Just forgive as you have been forgiven. You're like, can we just go back to the sin thing for a moment? Yeah, I'd love to. Like, is he saying that we can never sin? He's saying, no, he's talking about your root system. When you choose to follow and stay close to Jesus, remain near him, there's a seed placed inside of you. Jesus actually himself is inside there in a spiritual form. And he's changing our appetites or our desires. Galatians 5 is fascinating because it talks about the flesh is at war with the spirit, like our natural desires and aptitudes, all the things that we want in, in the natural realm, the physical world is a living intention with what the desires that, that God has in our heart, like the spiritual part of us is just this struggle. So he, what is he saying about sin? Let's just read it in Galatians 5.13. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Let's circle it back to the grand finale, 1 John 3.10. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. At the end, he says, do not use your freedom in Galatians 5.13. Do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love love. Let's do that thing where the Bible talks about the Bible. We can jump back to the book of Matthew, where Matthew's, Jesus was being questioned by a lawyer. He says, like, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus goes, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your strength, all is within you, and love your neighbor as yourself, which actually comes from the Old Testament. So these themes of loving God with everything that is within you and loving your neighbor as yourself didn't just start with Jesus, because sometimes we just like hippie Jesus. We like hippie loving Jesus, because we think hippie loving Jesus just loves everybody, and we don't like the angry God of the Old Testament. But the truth is, Jesus' best ideas come from his father, and his father is hanging out in the Old Testament. And what we actually finds a pattern of the goodness and the faithfulness and the compassionate uh, the compassionate nature of God over and over and over again so we don't write off the old just so we can live in the new. We understand that the old helps us understand the new so we can understand what it is to be free. And just like if somebody doesn't like your mom or your dad, you got a problem with them, Jesus is like listen, if you want to drop my dad, you don't know me because if you know him then you know me and if you know me, you know him. So if you don't like him, then you can't know me. John 5, 17 just says, my father and I are always working. And they're working together. 
In the book of John, it also continuously says over and over and over that Jesus could only say what his father told him to say, do what his father told him to do. So what you and I are actually doing is we're entering into a relationship with Jesus. We're learning to stay. We're learning to remain. And we're not just entering in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're entering into a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to work in us, and he's going to bring out the family resemblance. So we look more and more like Jesus. Jesus is the face. Like The, the, the Trinity is essentially the A-team. This is the greatest analogy of all time. The Trinity is essentially the A-team. You got Hannibal makes the plants. You got Jesus Christ the face. The Holy Spirit's Mr. T, okay? He makes it happen. I know there's another guy that just doesn't hold up in the analogy. It's fine. You're like, okay, but let's just circle back to sin. Right, yeah, we're talking about sin. Why? Because you keep thinking, why do you keep thinking about sin so much? Because it's what we do. It's what we do naturally. You're like, so I should go against what I do naturally. Yeah, because you've been reborn. You've been born again, a supernatural birth. And so all those things are like shadows of the past. Now you're like, but he's like, is he saying that I can never sin again? It's like, first of all, why are you trying to reserve your right to sin? Aren't we trying to reserve our right to get closer to Jesus? But... Earlier in the text, in, in, in 1 John 1 and 2, he says, you're going to sin, but he says, Jesus is faithful to forgive. So, if it's a struggle and not a settle, then we just keep moving forward with Jesus. Does that make sense to you? If it's a struggle and not a settle. I'm not just going to settle into this. The truth is, if you've been thinking about it, if you've been wrestling with it, you already know. You already know. You're like, are you going to define what sins are? No. Your heart is condemning you enough. I don't need to call things out for you. Mine is too. But here's the reality. And it doesn't matter how good the band is and how great the atmosphere is. We're old school. This looks maybe new school. In old school, we're old school. We're sinners saved by grace. We've all have fallen short of the glory of God. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in need of a desperate Savior. We're old school. As we get closer to Jesus, we should look more and more like Jesus. As we learn to stay and remain and not go away when things don't go away and we don't throw a pity party when Jesus doesn't do what I want because Jesus is not my cosmic genie. He's actually the Lord and King of my entire life. When I just stay with him and my life fits into alignment with his and I stay and I remain, then I'm going to get closer and closer to him and I'll look more and more like him. And as I stay there, he's going to keep me and he's going to carry me. Here's the reality Sin will eat you up and spit you out. Jesus will keep you and carry you. I'll just say this. Band's going to come. It's going to be great. We're going to end earlier than Pastor Jeremy. It's going to be awesome. That's not true. I always say that, but now I think I preach longer than him. It's fine. He's such a great communicator. Thinking about Isaiah 50, thinking about what we read, then thinking about Isaiah 55 where it says that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. We put these pieces together. And when we talk about sin, sin is anything that separates us from God. There's different lists found in different places which is just kind of like, these are kind of the ground rules 
in at times and seasons of Christianity, we've made Christianity all about our, our ground rules and we've made our transformation just fulfilling a set of behavioral standards. And the truth is, if you're just gonna live your life fulfilling a set of behavioral standards, uh, you're just gonna live angry because your entire life is about performance. It's about looking like you have it all together. That's not what Jesus is calling you to. He says, listen, there's some things, there's some things in here in the New Testament and the Old, but in the New Covenant, things that are like barometers for our lives and our heart, can, like just forgiveness is a wild idea. There are things here that we might not get or we might not understand why it's not okay. Can we just be really real for a moment? There are things in here that we wish were not in here. Right? Or you just haven't read it. They're like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like we should just like maybe change our stance on that. Listen, we're old school. We're not progressive. We're foundational believers, followers of Jesus who remain. Now there's pressure that comes from every angle that goes, maybe you should shift to the left or to the right. No, no, I remain with Jesus. We remain, we learn to stay, which also means you learn to take heat. Because that's what Jesus did. He's like, listen, it's gonna get way worse. That's his promise. He's like, guaranteed, you're like, I thought your promises are good. He's like, yeah, if you learn to stay and remain in me, then you're gonna get through it, but it's gonna get worse. But our faith in our life and our satisfaction, our contentment, our hope is not circumstantial, it's eternal. That's why Grandpa John's imagining what it's gonna be like to be with Jesus because he's literally boiled on top of the fire. And he's like, if he can see me through that, he said, I walked through the valley of shadow of death and I came out smelling like KFC. But I know that Jesus is faithful. You're like, wow, that's wild, that's wild. Wow, what a miracle. I wonder if it wasn't so much like a miracle that was external as it was a miracle that was internal because John learned how to stay, he learned how to remain, he was confident with who Jesus was and he was confident with what Jesus could do. So maybe it wasn't this wild external miracle as much as John going to be like, listen, Lord, I'm either coming to you or I'm staying here, you pick. Either way, I would like to not die. Or maybe I would, but it's up to you. And the Lord's like, I got a whole scary book for you to write called Revelation. So let me just say it like this. You and I don't have to understand why. If he says it's something that we should not do, that we should not participate in, that we should not condone it, we don't actually have to understand why. Sorry. Because if we accept the premise that Jesus Christ is king and king of this world and king of this universe and that this is his word, which is infallible and it is his final words, then we don't have to understand why. It's like when you tell your kids to go clean their room. Why? I don't care. You don't need to know why. Go clean your room. Right? They don't need to know why. The truth is, it's not dirty. You just want them gone from your sight for a moment. You need a breath. You don't have to say why. You don't have to say why. 
you're, you're, listen, parents, you don't have to say why, okay? You are in charge. Just a reminder to everybody in this room, if your kids are running your life and you're not running your life, then the order is wrong. In the same way, if your urges and desires are running your life and Jesus isn't running your life, then your desires and your urges and your processes are wrong. You're out of alignment. You don't have to get it. You can seek to understand, but we actually just seek first the kingdom of God and his what righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You don't have to understand why if we trust the source. Who do you look like? Do you trust the source? Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.